I said, I know what's going on. I said, you've met religion, but you, didn't, you haven't met Jesus. She goes, whatever. And she got angry, and the other girls were like, we're out of here. And this one girl stayed because she's the main witch. It was a little coven. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, I'm so glad that you're not walking away because I'd just like to talk to you a little. So I shared my testimony. She goes, I don't even believe any of that. So I told her how I was shot at and from 10 feet away and had this encounter with a voice. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't care about Christians. I didn't care about, I didn't care about anything but me. And I was selfish and I hurt people and destroyed people. And I was bold for the devil not knowing that I was a slave to sin my whole life. I had no idea. And it took 34 years for somebody to tell me about Jesus. So I went to high school. I went to school. This is why it's so powerful for me to be able to minister in a, a meeting that there are students at. Why? Because, man, if I knew Jesus and I, had, and I was in school, oh, my gosh, I would have flipped the school upside down. I'm not kidding. I spent most of my life in the principal's office for bad things and stupid things. But I had favor. I had favor in high school. In 12th, grade, we'd, in 12th grade, we did a talent show. I was a singer in a band. We did this talent show, and like, we were supposed to play three songs. And we played like eight. And they were really angry because kids were running and jumping and stage diving off the high school stage. That's not normal. And the principal was so mad. And I, man, I would spend so much time in his office lying about everything and not caring what he had to say. I mean, I did bad things. And we won this talent show. They unplugged us. We still played. And we're like screaming. And kids are like, one more song. One more song. They banned talent shows for seven years because of what we did. <laughs> like, I was very, very angry. And I, I didn't care who knew it. It didn't matter to me. I was a bully. I was mean. I didn't care. It was all about me. And man, if I knew that I had favor back then in darkness, I had favor on my life. It's crazy, because God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. And I had favor, and God loved me then, but I had no idea, and no one was brave enough to tell me. Like, no one told me Jesus, no one even said Jesus loves you for 34 years of my life. That's not okay. And if I could get one kid in school, I could definitely get elementary school kids, because we do it all the time. Elementary school kids, you teach them about Jesus, they're like, it's over. But high school, you gotta be cool. So it's different in high school because you, you gotta be cool. You gotta live in that fear of man thing. You gotta fear of kids and likes and dislikes. Who cares? Like, none of your likes are gonna stand when you stand before Jesus. I got so many likes, oh, Instagram. Oh, who cares if you went shopping? <laughs> who cares that you went to the store today to get some milk and I'm just hanging out with my peeps? Did anybody get touched with Jesus? Who cares? If they didn't, why do you post it? They're like, you're a legalist. No, I love Jesus. People love being liked more than they do understand being loved. And if you understand what it means to be loved, you won't care about how much you're liked. Look, Jesus was like, you know what Jesus was liked by? Jesus was liked by sinners. Jesus was loved by sinners. Sinners love Jesus, and sinners hate the church. Sinners love Jesus. Tax collectors. It's a paid thief. That's what they were. Matthew was a paid thief. He was working for the government. He was being paid to steal money. That's what a tax collector is. And they followed Jesus. Prostitutes. 
That's not cool. But they were like, I gotta hang with you. You have words of life, it's amazing. And they knew him and the people that studied the word didn't. That's insane. But I can have such a relationship with Jesus that the people that love me are the liars, the thieves, the twisted ones. And then once they taste and see, they don't wanna lie, they don't wanna steal, they don't wanna be twisted anymore. They wanna love God. And we can raise up a breed of Christian that is so burning with purity and power and passion that it doesn't matter what anybody says. See, because if you're rolling as a Christian and you're still living in sin, yet living and walking in power, you're still shame, guilt, and condemnation still covering you all the time. What would it be like for you to have no more guilt, no more shame, and no more condemnation for the rest of your life until you go to be with Jesus? I have lived for 15 years now without any guilt, any shame, any condemnation, and no regret. Every day of my life, I wake up every day in love with Jesus, and I don't do stuff that brings on guilt, shame, and condemnation. That's not legal, that's love. I love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you don't, don't. I'm gonna talk to you guys. Maybe you're not even listening. He said, he who loves me obeys my commandments. You know what his commandments are? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. That's not hard. Love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And love my neighbor as myself. What if you don't love you, you can't love your neighbor? If you don't love you, you get hurt by your neighbor. But if you love you, you can properly love your neighbor and you can't love you unless you see how much he loves you. And when you see how much he loves you, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Because all of their stuff comes to you and it's false accusations. Who cares about a false accusation? Who cares that people are bringing up rumors and lies about you? You don't have to defend yourself. Vengeance is the Lord's, man. You don't gotta defend yourself. But where does boldness come from? Because what we need is boldness. What we don't need is more conferences. Although I'm glad to be here. No, but if it's just about the conference and we go back to the same old, same old, what do we really do? It says to stir each other up in love and good works. Even all the more as we say that day approaching. So Jesus is coming back sooner than he did when we started this thing. He is. I don't know when, but he's coming. It's inevitable. And everybody that you see, everybody that you run into, no matter where you go, every knee will bow, all knees. I don't care what they say, what they think, they're going to bow before my king. Every one of them. All of them. It would be better if they did it now, willingly, than to be forced about later. That's going to be a horrible day, man. A horrible day. And what I'm not going to do is be there on that day, judgment day, and, and look at people that I never witnessed to that I could have. And be like, I can't believe I never talked to you. I'm not gonna see their faces looking at me saying, why don't you say anything? Why don't you tell me? Was I really that scary? I've gotta go there now. <laughs> it's not gonna happen, man. I'm gonna live my life out loud for Jesus. I'm gonna burn with the gospel all the days of my life. I'm not gonna compromise this life. It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna live in immorality, 
and compromise this life. I'm not gonna live as a thief and compromise this life. I'm not gonna live for my name's sake and compromise this life. I'm not this life. I'm not gonna try to build a ministry under the, the banner of Todd White and be worshiped. I'm not. I'm gonna lift Jesus' name high. Every second of every day, everywhere I go. And it starts with just little encounters in my bedroom with Jesus. Just me and him behind the closed door where I actually open the Bible and actually read it and not just go to church and listen to it. Where I'm in my room and I'm like, God, you are so awesome. Like, you want to talk to me. God, you, sh- you said that your sheep hear your voice and the strangers, they won't follow. How can I know which one to follow unless I know which one is yours? Oh, that's right. Your voice is from here. God, how can I cleanse my ways? Taking heed according to this. How can I live the way you want me to? Oh, here's a study manual. God, but I can't read. Oh, that's right. This isn't meant for my brain. It's meant for my heart. Yeah, but my reading ability. Lord, I drift when I read. God says, son, just ask me for wisdom. God, I lack wisdom. God, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. You need to speak to me. Come on. If you seek me, you will find me. Guys, this is not hard. It's not complicated. This book is meant for you. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you'll never get it. He didn't say, unless you become like a mature adult, you'll never get it. He said, unless you become like one of these and use the example of a little kid, you'll never get it. Guys, being born again is amazing. But being born again means you get a brand new dad. No, no, no. It doesn't matter what your earthly dad said or did or did or didn't do. It doesn't matter what your mom said or didn't do or did say. It doesn't matter what people did to you. What matters is that you see what God did for you and what he wants to do through you. Your past doesn't matter. Why? Because when you say yes to Jesus, he obliterates your past as though it never existed. He takes old things and they pass away and he makes all things become new. All things. So many Christians don't even believe that. So many Christians spend so much time revisiting yesterday when yesterday is gone. They live in a place of regret, guilt, shame, condemnation, and it's not okay. It's demonic wisdom. Well, I can't get past this, and I feel like there's something in me. What if it's not in you? What if it's outside trying to get in? And what if by you listening to it, it comes in? I was a drug addict for 22 years, man. I was an atheist for, I hurt so many people. Man, if I couldn't get to the place where I believe that God did what he did on the tree, I could, if I couldn't get to the place where I believe that my sin and my lawless deeds he remembers no more. If I couldn't get to the place where he wiped out the handwriting against me on the tree, if I couldn't get to the place where I understood to where he made a public laughing stock, public spectacle of the devil on that tree, and the devil thought by killing Jesus he won, but when he did, he sealed it forever. Because all he knows how to do is steal, kill, and destroy. So he's trying to steal joy. Your joy doesn't come from your experience. People are like, well, maybe after my ducks get in a row, I'm going to be okay. Your ducks will never be in a row. Yeah. 
Satan's the manipulator of ducks. I'm not kidding. He is, a, he is a liar. He is a thief. He knows that Christians base their joy on how they're doing instead of what he did. Jesus sealed. He sealed it all. He did it all. If we don't believe the blood's enough, there is nothing else. This is not psychological. This is supernatural. It's the gospel. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience from dead works. Serve God. Can you play a little? It'll help this go down a little easier. <laughs> Just real light. You got any pads? Just play some pads. Oh, real light, real light, real light. Nice. Lighter, lighter. Can you bring it down some? A little more? Right there. Yeah, that's good. Because I'm going to dance and it'll be silly. silly. So I'll be in my room with Jesus. And then everybody will be like, that's undignified. <laughs> like that song y'all are singing. It's amazing. Guys, we got to believe the gospel. Being born again is essential, but it's to unlock your potential. There's so much more. That's the beginning place. That's where you become refathered. That's what born again means, to be fathered from above. See, my dad wasn't ready for me. My mom wasn't ready for me. Lots of kids happen. A mom and a dad come together, and they produce a baby or a boyfriend, and a girlfriend come together, and then that kid's not wanted, and we think it's a mistake. Man, God don't make mistakes. Even if you are conceived in sin and in equity, your life is not a mistake. You have great value. You have great value. You know, three years ago, we got to adopt a little boy who was born addicted to heroin. Came out trembling, shaking, 24 hours. Horrible, stuff like you can't even imagine if, you're, if you've never seen it. Every addict should have to see it. And the mom didn't know any better. I mean, I wouldn't blame her. People blame the mom. You shouldn't have done that. And then they have another kid that's addicted because they're on methadone, which is a drug that's designed to not get you free. It's a drug to design, it's designed to keep you hooked, and it's worse to break than heroin. Methadone clinics would close down if people got free. The government won't want that. I won't go there, but... It's not okay. And that little boy, trembling and shaking, you would think, man, my wife and I, we got the privilege of adopting him, of being there. And I had to leave in a day because I had to go and travel to Norway. And my little baby is going through rehab and has to be on methadone. Now they'll wean a baby off, but they won't wean an adult off. The adult has to make the choice. And since it's, it's legal, it's rarely made. But I come back and there's my little buddy, Azariah, little boy, in this rehab with all these parents, 
all these moms and these dads that are addicted. I come in there and I got to put the scrubs on, put the scrub up and put the, the gown and everything on. You know, you got to be really clean and dreads walking down the hallway. Oh yeah, he, he's an addict. I give them Jesus, man, the whole time. Talking to nurses that are broken because they don't know their value. They don't know who they are. And this is a mom that's second, third kid. Well, she don't know better. She shouldn't do this. And they're all hurting. But where's the Christian? So we all get placed in different situations at different times. And all God's asking you to do is manifest him and not you. But you can't manifest somebody that you don't know. It's different to say, well, do you know that God loves you? Then do you know you're loved by the Father? See, because when you become loved by the Father, you become love itself. And then it's not about preaching at people. It's about loving people in such a way that they can't get away from this gospel. Because Jesus didn't pay a price for us to just preach at people. He paid a price for Christians to actually lay their lives down for their brother, because greater love hath nobody than this. Then you lay your life down for your friend. Who's your friend? Anybody that you think God loves. And if you can look at somebody and say, Jesus didn't pay a price for them, then you have the right to not love them. But you can't, because he loves everybody profusely. But that little baby, man. Abortion makes me so sick. Makes me sick. Abortion at a couple of weeks makes me sick. Abortion at three months is horrible. Abortion at six months, what do we think we're doing? Abortion at nine months, let's legalize it. I think every Christian should have to watch an abortion happen. You should watch them rip off the head of a baby. You should watch them tear off the limbs. You should have to watch it and then see if you can justify it. You should have to watch it, and I hope it gives you nightmares because it's murder. It's not okay to come up with reasons why. Well, it could, I mean, they could if this was happening. And we're like, well, you know, that's okay. It's not okay. The answer to abortion is adoption. And if you know, if you know that you've been adopted by the Father, and you see and understand, not feel, but see and understand and taste and see that he is good. The spirit of adoption will hit your heart. And all of a sudden, abortion isn't an option. But adoption is. Because you step into what's called the spirit of adoption. And it hits your heart so hard that you'll never be the same. And all of a sudden you start to see your value because when you see your value, then everything changes because the cross, I get persecuted for this. People are so silly. The cross, the cross isn't just because you were such a horrible sinner. The cross was something underneath of that horrible sin was of great value to the Father. Jesus was marred beyond any man. He was, there was no one else marred like him. There was no one else ripped apart like him. Marred beyond any man. 
And people say, well, that was for my healing. Yes, it's for your healing. That's part of it. That is part of it. But Jesus was shredded and ripped apart and marred beyond any man. And when you looked at him on that tree, you couldn't even recognize him. You couldn't recognize it was Jesus. Why? Because we had become unrecognizable to the Father. And he became unrecognizable so that you and I could be recognizable to the Father again. An innocent man hung guilty on a tree and paid a price we could never pay. He became our substitute. He actually did it not just for us, but he did it as us. It's totally different. It's way deeper and way more powerful. On that tree, see, heaven went bankrupt to get you back because God saw that you were worth redeeming. Not just redeeming a little bit and purchasing, but redeeming. And when you see what it means to be born again, it's as if you never ate the tree. It's as if you never sinned. God takes old things, they pass away, and all things become new. And all of a sudden, it's as if you never messed up before. And you wake up in the morning with an A-plus on your report card. Not because you scored it, but because he did it for you. He made it easy. God did it. God's value system is different. The price that heaven paid for you determines your value. That means that Jesus and the value of Jesus determines the value of you to the Father. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him, wouldn't perish. That word perish doesn't mean just go to hell one day. But that word perish means to be destroyed in your thinking and in your mind. Because he didn't pay a price just to get you there. He paid a price to get him here. See, all these other religions in the world, all religions have man trying to get to God. Only Christianity has God getting to man. Only Christianity. It's not a small thing, it's a huge thing. But man, growing up, my mom, man, when I was, when I was, before I was born, I was with the Father. The Bible says that all life comes from God. So when my mom and my dad came together, there are all these different chances, millions and millions of chances, swimming up a birth canal, headed for the egg. I was one of those chances. Everybody's trying to get there first. No matter how fast I was, no matter how slow I was, whether I had a jackhammer or a sledgehammer, I had destiny. But when I got to the egg and all the millions are up there, we're talking 79,999,999 other chances of trying to get in. And when I get there, they all part like the Red Sea. They do. This is for every baby. Only one gets in. Boom. And everybody's upset. How did he get by? And my voice says, sorry guys. I was predestined before the foundation of the world. It's the truth. And if you see that, 
What your mom said from a soul that didn't know who she was won't matter. Because people say stupid stuff and do stupid things. And if they don't know God, or if they say they know God, but their actions don't line up, they really don't know God. Because the fruit on a tree bears witness of what kind of tree it is. So if you have a mom that says, I can't believe I did this, I don't want this baby, I can't believe this, we're not ready for this, and that rejection comes, the reality of God's plan comes into work. When you get born again, God doesn't take you back to the womb. God takes you right the way you are, and he says, that matters not because I said yes to you. And he becomes your father, and the rejection that you went through has no bearing on the acceptance that God has for you. And if I've been accepted in the beloved, you can never reject me again. Why? Because the truth of this is no man, no woman, no wife, no mom, no dad, no teacher, no daughter, no son can take away from me what they never gave me. Because God is the one that gave me my acceptance. Where does boldness come from? Boldness comes from me seeing my value and me being unashamed of who my father is. No matter where I'm at, on a plane, on a street, talking to a witch, it doesn't matter. That girl doesn't know who she is. I'm about to witness to her. She has no idea who she is. And she's angry and has been hurt by church stuff. Hurt by church stuff. Touched wrong by a youth pastor. So now she's a witch. But that doesn't mean that God touched her wrong. That means that she associates God with touching her wrong. But he didn't do any of that stuff. God's done nothing but love us. Now I am representing a God that loves me. I'm not gonna sit there and talk to her and make her a victim. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that to you. That's horrible. No, she needs to understand that she's victorious because of what Christ did. And she needs to understand what Jesus did. I have to set my mind on things above, not beneath. I can't afford to fill my mind with trash and with tragedy. I can't afford to watch CNN and read all the face. I don't read Facebook comments that are good. Why? Because it'll puff your head up. And I don't read Facebook comments that are bad because it might make you upset. I'll just be free and not read any of it. You know what's amazing? Is for a while, my daughter, my 22-year-old daughter, she answered all my hate mail. And it's horrible. Some of the stuff people say, horrible. You know what she never did? Dad, is this true? Not one time. Why? Because I live my life. I live my life for Jesus in front of my kids. I don't have two different lives. No, there's not a pulpit life and a home life. There's a Jesus life. See, this gospel... This gospel is all or none. You can't afford to not have confidence. A lot of people's confidence is wrecked because they're living in sin while claiming the gospel. A lot of people's confidence is ruined because they're still sleeping with their girlfriend and think that nobody knows. God sees it all, man. He sees it all. People are like, no, 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 she loves me. Then marry her. Well, you know, I, ain't gonna, you know, I, don't, wanna, I don't wanna wreck things. Oh, you're just twisted. so whacked 
You know, people are like, you know what? It's okay. Because like no one really knows. You know, masturbation. Yep, I said it. Fantasy? That's where it starts, man. It all starts in the fantasy realm. They're like, well, you know, I ain't doing with anybody. Yeah, you are. Jesus said you commit adultery when you look lustfully in your heart. Period. They're like, yeah, but I mean, at least I'm not touching anybody. No, it's a matter of time. <laughs> people don't like touching this. Oh, well, I touch it, buddy. Why? Because I don't care what people think. That's why. I, I don't. No. That thing ruled my life ruled my life. It mastered me constantly. I've, I've been free for 15 years, man. I mean, like, not a little free. I mean, I've been completely free for 15 years. 15 years straight. 15 years straight. Like, free. Free from pornography, free from that masturbation, twisted, yucky life. I'm free. I've been free. Why? Because the sun set me free. Now, I meet people, I meet pastors. This is not okay. I, I've met leaders in the church that they think, man, you need to leave that subject alone, man, because that's like, no. If we can't talk about that in the church, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says you judge those that are in the church. The Bible says you don't judge those that are in the world. But so many Christians are like, oh, don't you judge me. We're not supposed to judge people. No. I can read you scripture. I'll read you in Corinthians, and we'll go to Corinthians, and we'll go to school. Then it says, you must judge people that are in the church. It actually says, if somebody's going to practice sexual immorality, it says, don't even associate with them if they're a brother. Cut them off. That's horrible. I don't want to cut anybody off, but I'm not going to back off. I'll be in your face, man. Why? Because I love Jesus. Because one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to answer for your life and it's going to be a horrible day for you. Horrible day. Right? People are like, please change the subject. I'm done. It's over. Make it nice again. Oh, I'm going to make it nice. I'm going to make it nice. Making it nice is making sure that you're very accountable for your life. That's my life. My life is making people accountable. I'm not kidding. People are like, oh, just teach us about the miracles. No, it's a miracle if you get set free from you. Oh, I promise you, it's miraculous. Come on, man, that stuff's bondage anyway. You think it's a secret life. Man, there are no secrets when it comes to God. Can I read you a psalm? I would like to. It's just happy. <laughs> People are like, you're just ornery. No, I'm in love. You ready? This is from the Passion Translation. Did you ever read that? Oh my gosh. If you guys get done before I do, you can go. I love you. I see a time clock. I'm not good with them. <laughs> Got their stick. Is that law? <laughs> Tell they turn the power off. Without a mic, I, I guarantee you all of you would hear me anyway. Okay. Listen to this. This is Psalms 139. This is so beautiful. Listen to this. Ver listen to the verbiage in here. See, 
My point is, God loves you so much. He knows everything about you. And he wants what's best for you. And you are not best for you. You are not best for you. He is best for you. God knows what's best for you. He is best for you. But watch this. Check this out. If I love God with all my mind, there's no way for masturbation to be a part of my life. Can't. (laughs) I bet you probably didn't think I was going to talk about this. And that's just a part of it. But if I love God with all of my mind, I couldn't lie. It's impossible to lie. Why? Because I love God with my mind. In order to lie, you have to think about the lie. If I love God with all of my mind, I could never, ever abort a baby. Why? Because I'd be having God's mind in mind. If I love God with all my mind, I could never, ever talk about somebody behind their back. Why? Because I love God with all my mind, my thinking. I'd have to think those thoughts. If I love God with all my mind, I would never ever be focused on Facebook for two hours at a pop because I'm loving God with my mind. I'm not caring about what everybody else is doing. If I love God with all my mind, there's no possible way for me to hate somebody. It's impossible. Because if you say you love God, yet hate your brother, you're a liar, so you really don't love God. God has exalted and magnified his word above his own name, okay? So God, in Psalms 138, verse two, exalted his word above his name. It's amazing. So if I'm not willing to honor the infallibility of God's word that he has magnified above his own name, I cannot truly tell you that I love God. We have so many thoughts that roll through this mind on a constant basis. Constant basis. We spend very little time filling our mind with what God thinks. If you had five thoughts rolling through your soul, your mind, your thoughts, your mind, your will, your emotions, five thoughts that God thought about you and others every day, you would have no time for other thoughts, and that's just five. If you filled your mind with 10 thoughts that God thought about you, Every day, you'd have no time. If you filled your mind with 50 thoughts that God thought about you, it would be impossible for you to think other thoughts. If you filled your mind with 100 thoughts that God thought about you, all for your welfare, God has more thoughts than there are grains of sand in the whole world, and in one cubic foot, there's 1.6 billion grains. And every thought's for your welfare. If you filled your mind with a couple of them, it's over for the devil. But he's having a field day with Christians because they don't take thoughts captive. The weapons, you've been given weapons that are divinely powerful for pulling down a strongholds. God said that you, Christian, your duty is to take every thought that tries to exalt itself up against the knowledge of God captive. There's no other way to live. And we are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. I'm talking about five thoughts. 
You're being destroyed for not having five solid thoughts about what God thinks about you constantly rolling through. Five. What if you had a thousand thoughts that God thought about you and then someone were to bring another thought that they thought about you? That other thought that they thought about you, it might sting a little because they might be somebody that you know, but not for long because the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Our duty as a Christian is to find out what that book says and to live by it all the days of our life. That book is big. It can be intimidating, but a chapter is not. You start with one chapter and you start to feed on living bread and living water and everything else will fade away. If you just spend five minutes Get along with God. Turn your affection towards him. Say, Father, I really don't know you like I need to, but I really want to. God, show me who you are. Oh, my gosh. God says, call upon me. Call upon me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, things that you do not know. Jeremiah 33.3, God's phone number. Call on him. Um, God... I need some thoughts. Oh, I'll answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things, things that you don't even know. You guys okay? All right, check this out. I'm just going to read a little. Listen to this. This is just just one psalm. It's so powerful. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and my soul. You understand my every thought even before it enters my mind. Whoa, what if that became revelation? What if you knew that every thought that comes through your soul, God saw? That whole frenzy of fantasy would be cut off so quickly, buddy. I promise you. Because what would enter into your heart is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And everything ends with the fear of God. The fear of God is amazing. And it's not being petrified of God. It's being so awestruck of God's love for you that everything else pales in comparison. It's not an angry thing. No. It's a love thing. You are so intimately aware of me. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words that I'm about to speak even before I start a sentence. You know every step I'm going to take before my journey begins. You've gone into my future and prepared the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me and spare me from the harm of my past. Your hand of love is upon my life and you impart blessings to me. This is too wonderful, too deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings wonder and strength. Where should I hide from your spirit? Could I run and hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I fly with the wings into the shining dawn, with wings to the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there, you're waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me, your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or ask darkness to hide me, for your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. That's so good. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How long or how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You've even formed my every bone in my body and you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing into something. You saw who created me, you saw who you created me to be even before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the numbers of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking about me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly your every thought. God, your desires for me and your thoughts for me outnumber the grains of sand in the whole world on every shore. When I wake each morning, you're still with me. Just that, that is so, that is so much just love. It's love. Like this book is a love letter. When I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. God, you just love me. <laughs> like, he loves me. I, I, not for a second have I ever thought, gosh, I wonder if he loves me. No, life doesn't determine whether he loves me. Jesus and the price he did does. Life comes like this. Uh, uh, Satan is the prince and power of the air, the God of this world. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If I allow the world to tell me whether God loves me, I'm deceived. That book tells me that he loves me. The cross that never changes tells me that he loves me. So I'm sitting here talking to this girl, and I'm like, I'm like, you know God is real, right? She goes, whatever. And she's telling me about her little episode with the youth pastor, and I'm like, I, that guy never knew God. You think that Jesus would have done that to you? Whatever, I'm done talking about Jesus. I said, well, we don't have to talk about it. I said, how about this? You have a tumor in your forehead right here. She goes, how do you know that? I said, the God that you say doesn't exist just told me. What do you think of that? She said, I have a pituitary tumor. I said, well, you want to get rid of it? She goes, well, whatever. And she just attitude with me. The girls are gone. I said, let me pray for you. Jesus will take that from you. And then once you go to the doctors and find out, then you bow to Jesus. You're not bowing to a youth pastor. That youth pastor never knew Jesus or he'd never do those things. Because God says that a tree is known by its fruit and that is not the fruit of Jesus. So I prayed for her, and her forehead got, got really hot. I said, what do you feel? She goes, my forehead is burning. I said, that's amazing. God loves you so much. Can I give you a hug? She goes, okay. She goes, you're, you're not like normal Christians. You know what she said? Most Christians run when I tell them what I am. I go, well, there's no, I said to her, I said, darkness is nothing to run from. I'm light. Why would I be afraid? She goes, well, you're not normal. And I sat there crying, telling her my testimony. And she just looked at me. She goes, they really shot at you. I said, 10 feet away, right outside my window. I said, I deserve to die, but God spared my life. And he didn't spare my life so I could live for me anymore. He spared my life so I could meet people like you and share his love with you. 
She goes, well, you're pretty amazing. I go, no, I'm just sold out. I'm just sold out. I won't live for me anymore. All God's asking you to do is to give up what you were never created for to begin with. God didn't create you for you. He created you for him. He didn't create you so that you could be you. He created you so that he could be in you. So that he could rest upon you. And you could be the best you that he created you to be. But you without him is lost. But you with him is found. All he wants us to do is to believe the gospel. He wants us to believe the good news. The good news is that heaven went bankrupt for you. The good news is your value is no longer determined by man. Your value isn't determined by whether a mom wanted you or a dad wanted you. Your value is determined because heaven sees you. Because God knows you. He knows your every thought. He knows your every move. He knows your every word you're going to say. He knows what you did yesterday. He sees when your heart said, oh, that was wrong. God says that when you confess that you were wrong, and you know that you were wrong, when you confess to him, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which means the only thing that's left is righteousness. And righteousness is right standing with the king. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. With every part of your being, love God. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love you unless you understand and believe that what he did for you is real. God is for you, not against you. He is greater in you than anything in this world. God is not mad at you, even though I talk about sexual immorality and all that stuff. We got to in the church, man. It's not okay for a move of God to be faltered and altered because of an adultery. We don't need somebody to bring revival and all of a sudden, like, they're living in sin and it's all discredited because when society sees that, it's like nothing ever happened. And it's not okay that moves of God are ending because a pastor's sleeping with somebody. Or an evangelist is sleeping with somebody and cheating on his wife. That's no good. It's all gone. It's all done. And we don't need that. What happens is God vindicates us for the sake of his name. It's what he does. He forgives us. That forgiveness is huge, man. It's not just the moment you come to the altar. It's every day of your life. Repentance isn't just getting born again. See, the gospel is true, and God will take you just the way you are, but grace demands change. And any grace that doesn't lead to transformation is demonic. God will take you just the way you are. He's not expecting you to get it all when you come in. When you get born again, like... It is true that you get born again and God comes to dwell in here. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are labor and burdened down by life, come to me and I will give you rest. So we come to him and we get this, no more shackles, no more chains. And, and all of a sudden we're free, but then you gotta leave the church then. And you're not free when you're out there and you don't understand what he thinks about you. Because that stuff's still there. Think that Satan goes, darn it. We lost another one. Let's go find somebody else to mess with. No. He goes, oh, they probably just incorporated Jesus. They didn't surrender. They probably just, God, the only reason they love you is for what they can get from you. They don't really love you. They're selfish, just like me. He's convinced. 
He's convinced that Christians incorporate Jesus for what they can get from him instead of surrendering their whole lives to him. He's looking for Christians that are compromised. He's looking to try to find where is your weak point. Now, the Bible says in your weakness, he is strong. And your weakness is a magnet for his strength. But he's not talking about weakness like, I can't fight the devil no more. I can't fight. I can't use a Christian fight. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm so weak. No, that's not weak. That's stupid. (laughs) I'm so weak. I can't read it anymore. It's too much for me. No, that's just straight up dumb. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that is. That's not what he's saying. In your weakness, meaning in the human frailty that you have, that you carry, you are no match for the devil. No, no, no. You're no match. God says, submit to him, resist the devil, and he'll flee. What does that mean? Out of my submission, I am saying I am weak, weak meaning humble. I can't do this without you. That's the weakness he's talking about. So in humility, grace then comes to empower you to stand up underneath every situation and every temptation. Because the Bible says that when you are tempted, God will allow you to stand up in that thing. Because it says that all people are tempted by the same stuff. Satan's not up to anything new. He's up to the same thing. What he wants you to do is live by feelings. What is masturbation? Living by feelings. What is fantasy? Living by feelings makes me feel good. Oh, she makes me feel like I'm loved. You ain't loved. It's called lust. That's what made them eat the tree. It's the same bait. It's Satan's bait, man. He's playing with it. I could tell you stories that'll make you sick. I could tell you about the youngest female prostitute that I've ever seen rescued a three-year-old little girl. People are like, that's disgusting. It's the same disgusting stuff. Porn is disgusting. It's nasty. It's gross. People are like, yeah, but I'm not that bad. Yes, you are. If you're thinking that way, it's just as dark the whole way through. Yes, that's really nasty. It makes people go, oh, God. Yet they'd still sit there and look at a penthouse. Because it's not that little kid. I mean, she's a grown woman. No, it's a grown woman that doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who she is. (sighs) I will never use a pulpit to project my opinion, ever. But I'll never ever be at a microphone and not bring conviction. Condemnation is demonic. Conviction is the Holy Ghost. We need conviction. I need to be convicted every day of my life. I need to. God loves you. He ain't mad at you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he doesn't smote you and wipe you out. Because if we get what we deserve, we all go to hell. All of us deserve separation. But God so believes in us way more than we believe in us. And if you would see what he thinks about you, your whole life would change in a moment. Just, 
Like you'd wake up just, <gasps> what was I thinking? It's like before you got born again, there were things that you were doing. And you get saved and you're like, I can never do that. Yeah, but how much more could you never do? People are like, when I talk about this next little issue, sin. Do you think Jesus paid a price for you to be free from sin? That's a hard one for the church because the church is like, oh my gosh, that's heresy. Well, let me ask you this. If Jesus didn't pay a price for you to be free from sin, and the only time you could be free from sin is when you die, then death has now become your savior, and Jesus is not. <laughs> I'm gonna say it again. If I gotta wait till I die to be free from sin, death is now my savior. No, it's not, sin isn't the issue, it's a lack of surrender. I promise you. How much do you love Jesus? Enough to not sin willfully? Because the Bible says don't sin willfully. <laughs> Come on, man! The Bible says be perfect even as he is perfect. Well, oh, sheesh, you're just, that's too much. No, how dark do you want to go? How light do you want to keep it? Do you think a lie is a lie? Do you think there's little white lies and a big dark lie? Do you think there's a difference? No, who's the father of lies? Is that your dad? So why would we lie? <laughs> Am I saying I never sin? No, I'm not. Do I want to ever? Absolutely not. I never want to. Do I wake up thinking, man, I hope I don't sin today. I don't, gosh, but I know I'm going to anyway. No, that's hyper grace. Hyper grace says, well, you know, we can't be free anyway. God understands. I'll just do it again. No, that's twisted. Sexual immorality. Well, you know, God sees it. We already did it. Might as well. All of a sudden, that feeling comes. You're okay. And as soon as you're done, condemnation hits you. You guys okay? This is being real. It's being real. What if every time you thought of something, what if every time you made a mistake, or you sinned, you made a mistake, you actually had repentance in your heart? That would be amazing. Like repentance is not just saying, oh my gosh, I did it again. Repentance is, okay, God, that is so, I'm so done with this. What do you have to say about that? Wow. Okay. Father, I thank you. This is the word. Boom. And you put the word in for what you just did. And then all of a sudden that next thing tries to, sin's creeping at your door, tries to come again. All of a sudden the word rises up. And it's not in your strength because you can't do it. You can't just quote the words. I'm never going up. No. You become the word. And all of a sudden that thing comes knocking at your door. Whoa. I don't think so, buddy. Words there. I'm not kidding. It's the Christian life. You have something that's eating your lunch. Oh man, I just I hate this. But you don't hate it so much that you do it again. And because if you hated it, you wouldn't keep doing it. Man, but it's a habit. I understand. I get it. There's deliverance. I promise you. Oh, I'm so serious. Lust is one of the biggest killers. Sexual immorality, 
one of the biggest killers in the body of Christ right now. Right now. All across the world. I mean, it is darker and bigger than you know. It is really dark and really big. The whole boyfriend, girlfriend, trying to hide it, trying to be cool. No, we're going to get married and, you know. And then boyfriend saying, you know, we're going to get married, right? I mean, come on, I love you. It's all right. I mean, God knows I love you. We're going to get married, right? Well, yeah, but you know we shouldn't do this. Yeah, but I know, but I love you. You do this stuff to me. Christian lingo. Ooh, what a devil, man. Not the guy. It's demonic strategy set up to bind you and keep you bound. Yeah, but you said you love me. Well, I know. Why'd you sleep with that other girl? Because you said he loved me. You know, I don't even want to live. I'm done with this. He loved me. He was all I had. Happens every day. Somewhere every day. I told my girlfriend if she ever did that to me, I would kill her. And I meant what I said. Nine years. Seven and a half of those years, I told her for at least seven. When, since Destiny was six months old, you ever cheat on me, I'm going to kill him and make you watch. Then I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to kill myself. And we're going to leave our daughter with nobody. Go ahead and do it. And I thought that way. It is twisted, man. She was my savior. But now that Jesus is my savior, no one else can be. No one else can. A man marries a woman, he better love the Lord more than he loves her. Or she becomes his savior. Girl, you marry a man, he better not be your savior. I don't care how good of a Christian he is. We need to raise the bar. We need to raise the Christian standard to normal man. It's not okay to fall for that junk. Ladies, don't fall for a man that's giving you that stuff. It's a lie. It's a scam. He ain't a man of God. I promise you. Boyfriends get mad. We get hate mail all the time. You ruined my relationship. No, I didn't. I just straightened it out. Yeah, but she loved me, man. You ruined it. No, I didn't ruin nothing. If you loved her, you put a ring on her finger and you make a covenant with her. Just like God made a covenant with you. People get so mad about this. I don't care. I'm not going to answer to you. I'm going to answer to God. We're like, man, you know what? People are like, oh, just kill that guy. What are you going to do? Make me closer to Jesus? <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm not afraid, man. One day when I put off his tent, I'm just going to go, hey. He's going to go, well done, Todd. I'm so proud of you. That's what I'm looking at. I'm not kidding. Every day I think of this. Every day I see people. God, help me. Help me share my heart with them. Help me share with them, God. And I share. I laid on a plane. He's angry. Didn't want to talk about Jesus. But I don't have anything else to talk about. Man, Brian and I. One of the first times Brian picks me up from LAX, I think, right? We're coming down the road. We're going down the road, and, and Brian and I, and I see these motorcycle guys going up through the middle. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like crazy, dude. Oh yeah, that happens all the time. All of a sudden, dude's up and over, bam, on the ground. I stop the car. I run up through. I get there, and this motorcycler is up there. His ankle's twisted sideways. He is on the ground. You have it? We have a picture. We're going to throw it up. 
He is raging. I'm not kidding about little rage. Like he is really, really angry. I said, bro, do you know Jesus? What the blank does that matter? Because he's in a motorcycle accident. He's bleeding. His ears, he's got blood coming out. I don't know how bad it is, but salvation is important and it's necessary. If you're living in sin, listen to me. If you're living in sin, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, you're doing twisted stuff, you ain't going to have boldness when it comes game time. I promise you. No, you're living a fake Christian life. You ain't living a real Christian life. You're living some kind of sub-Christian life, making it like on the outside everything's okay. What you gonna do when someone comes and puts a gun in your face and says deny him if you're living in sin? You're gonna deny him is what you're gonna do. That's not okay. It's not, you're already denying him with your lifestyle. You're already denying Jesus with the way you live. You're already denying him. Why would you take a bullet for somebody that you ain't even willing to live for? How are you gonna die for somebody you ain't willing to live for? Come on with a real Christian. Stand up and be real here. Don't be afraid. I don't got a nicey nice gospel. I got a sold out gospel message. My, my altar calls. If you're willing to die for Jesus, then come up. Don't come up here unless you're willing to take a bullet for him. I don't play. Why? Because Jesus didn't tell anybody just, well, I'll try him. Jesus don't want your heart. He wants your life. What if you gave him your heart, but you held back your life from him? The Bible doesn't say, deny the devil, pick up your cross. It says, deny your. So, so Brian and I are talking to this guy. And I'm like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to witness to him and share my heart with him. He's like, man, and I said, are you a dad? He goes, how can I be a father? Look at my ankle. I said, what's your ankle have to do with you being a dad, man? Do you know who Jesus is? Yes, I know who blanking Jesus is. Maybe not know him, maybe know about him. Because no matter how horrible the situation is, no matter how angry you are, no matter how hurt you are, Every other word shouldn't be F this and F that if you know him. Because out of your heart, your mouth speaks. Well, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have talked like that. No, no, no. Stop it. You're right. People are like, man, you're a little extreme. No, I'm not. My language should completely change if I give my life to Jesus. Like, if he gave me a new heart and out of my heart, my mouth speaks, why would I cuss? There he is. You got the picture. He's got it in the back. Can you put it up on the screen? So he's bleeding pretty bad and I'm sitting there witnessing him. The cop comes up, remember the cop? The business guy is like sitting there like with the tie on trying to like hold back, trying to hold back like, you know, traffic and stuff. I'm like, hey man, Jesus loves you. Yeah, I'm cool. I told the cop, I mean, Jesus loves you, man. He goes. Who the blank are you and why are you here? Are you part of this accident? No, sir. You need to get the blank away. I said, I'm not going nowhere, bro. I'm sharing the gospel and I'm going to hold him still. I know the rules. I got this. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Shut the blank up. He's just cussing me out. What do I got to lose? I already lost my life. Yes, yeah, messed up. Really messed up. I didn't get to see his ankle healed. I'm sitting there holding him, telling him how much God loves him. 
He said, why are you doing this? I said, because I love you, man, that's why. So how do you love me? You don't even know me. I don't got to know you, man. I died and gave my life to Jesus, buddy. I love you. Oh, he's calming down some. The EMTs come, and I got to go. We got to be done because grace is up when the EMTs are coming because they got to do their thing. I said, you guys know who Jesus is? Do you know Jesus? They're like, um, yes, sir. Thank you very much. We got this. <laughs> so I go over to the cop, and I go, hey. I go, I just, I just got to ask you, man. What? I said, do you know how much Jesus like, Man, look, I am done. I don't want to talk about this. I said, I don't care if you want to talk about it, man. I was the guy that was in the back of your cop car for years and years and years, and not one of you told me that Jesus loved me. And I was in and out of jail my whole life, and not one of you shared the gospel with me. I'm telling you right now that Jesus is real. One day, you're going to meet him. And you're going to remember this day for the rest of your life because God loves you. Can I give you a hug? I don't do hugs, man. That's what he said. I walked away, and the business guy looked at me. He goes, yo. I need to talk to you. I said, what's up? He goes, man. I'm a Christian. And I got nothing to give this man. You changed my life today. And I said, how did I change your life? Because, man, that's what Jesus would do. And I sat there and I went... Man, I really appreciate you. He goes, I got to go, man. Thank you. He left. Brian and I get in the car. Brian goes, what just happened? It was so good. Have fun. We, we had a couple accidents out here. Two or three. Wasn't there another one? The motorcycle? There was another one, too. The kids were in a wreck. Remember the... Uh, the guys right outside of Compton, like right, yeah. <laughs> I just, God lets me be on them wrecks because I, <laughs> if I could just inspire you to live for Jesus, just, just the little guys. got one shot at this thing you're only here once I used to believe you had all kinds of different lives I used to believe a lot of things then I met Jesus he sorted that out oh I have other pictures of accidents I'd love to show you some I really do. They're really nasty. <laughs> I showed it last night. People were like, couldn't eat dinner. Nasty. <laughs> no, because I'm on my way to a meeting and another time. Remember the kid on the bike? Right here? The kid that, that wiped his bike out, was screaming, freaking out. Was I with you? Yeah. Freaking out, we picked his bike up. His ankle was messed up. We ended up praying for his ankle. His ankle gets healed. He goes, man, I don't want to hear this stuff, man. Shared. He started losing it because his parents, like, wrecked the whole gospel thing. He was, like, so mad. He put his 
put his helmet down on me because I ran to the car and got him a bunch of money to pay for his bike. Were you, were you with me for that one? Yeah. That's so good. Because that's what love would do. He goes, man, you ain't going to give me this, man. Come on, man. It's enough, man. It's enough. You already prayed for me, man. I don't deserve this. Go fix your bike, man. You said you don't got money to fix it. Go do it. He goes, man. I'm not saying this to boast in me. I'm saying this because that's what we should be. We should be. I'm almost done. I just... I was going to a meeting with Daniel Kalenda, who's doing something down in Florida, and we were on the way, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, all traffic locks up. And I'm like, I'm like, oh man, what's going on? And I looked, and there's a car that had hit the thing. No one's there. It's smoke coming out of the front. I ran over to it, and there's a guy hanging out of the driver's, of the passenger's seat against the medium. The medium's here, right with the car. And he was laying out here, he was the driver. And I went up and he, was, and he was a drunk driver and it was alcohol. You could just smell it really bad. And I looked and I came around the medium, I got there and he's bleeding out. And his brains are coming out. Like, I, it's really bad. And it's life, life and death, it's like one of, it's happening. And I get down below him and the blood is everywhere. And I said, hey man, I said, can you hear me? And he gurgled at me because blood's coming out of his mouth, his ears, his head. Can you hear me? He goes, Ugh. I said, do you know Jesus, bro? You have to know him. You've got to answer me. And I'm sitting there and a cop comes up. And he's cussing me out again, freaking out. I mean, it's a bad situation. He goes, get away from him. I said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I'll just keep him stable until the EMTs come here. And he's screaming at me again. Get away from me. I said, I was an alcoholic, man. I was an addict. I ain't going nowhere. I'm free. Jesus set me free. You shut the blank up. I said, I'm not shutting up, man. He's dying, bro. He's going to heaven or hell right now. Do you care about that? He looked at me and he goes, shut up. I ain't shutting up. What you gonna do, cuff me for sharing the gospel with a dying man? Go ahead. I'm gonna share it. So I'm sharing Jesus with this guy, and I said, can you hear me? And he pushes his neck up. Yeah. Like, bleeding out. I said, do you know Jesus? No. I shared the gospel with him. I said, do you want him? He said, yeah. And he got born again. He put his head down and passed out. And the cop's looking at me, shaking his head. And I went over to him and I said, look, man, I'm an unarmed man, except I'm armed with Jesus, man. I was an alcoholic my whole life. It was only grace that stopped me from wrecking like this. It's grace that kept me alive and I didn't even know him. You don't know him. I said, but one day you're going to meet my king. You're going to meet Jesus face to face one day. And you're going to remember this day forever. God loves you, man. He died for you. I was in the back of your car to tell the cop the same thing. I don't want to hear this. I said, well, I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm on my way to a meeting. This man is going to heaven if he dies right now. Where are you going? He looked at me and he goes, I'm done. That's what he said. And I said, well, I guess I'm done too. But God loves you. And the EMTs came. I said, do you know Jesus, bro? <laughs> Why? Because that's the most important thing. 
Look, you are here for a hundred years max. A hundred years. That's this little tiny section of life compared to all this forever. What are you going to do? In that rehab, I ministered to so many moms and so many dads with my son. And I watched him get free at 23 days. I watched nurses come crying. I watched nurses give their life to Jesus. Moms and dads give their life to Jesus. We prayed for a baby that stopped breathing. We watched that baby come alive. Like so many miracles through in and throughout the whole hospital. So many times. We have so many different places to be, so many different things, and we're sometimes we're on the highway and we're in a hurry to get nowhere. And we miss thousands of opportunities because we're selfish and we're all about our own business. And all God's asking you to be is about the Father's business. But it takes a surrendered life. You know, my wife and I just got back. We're adopting another one. We have a newborn. He's his name's Asher Solomon. Now, Azariah, my three-year-old, he's doing so good. We have a 22-year-old just got married. We have a 13-year-old girl. We have an eight-year-old girl. We have our three-year-old son we adopted. We have a new one that's two weeks old, little baby we're adopting. Look, I'm telling you that you are the answer to the dilemma that is on this world, on the earth. You're the answer. But you've got to be free, and you can't be in bondage, and you can't live in sin and think that you're getting away with it because God sees it all. It says that one day we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of God. All of us. 2 Corinthians 5.10. It's what it says. It says we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're all going to answer for our life the deeds done in the body. All of us are. Every one of us. I don't care who you are. All of us. Me included. My question is, is your conscience clean now or is your conscience yucky are you living in sin but confessing Jesus? Or are you going after Jesus and forsaking sin? That's my question. Because God's not looking for somebody that straddles some fence. He's looking for sold out Christians that stand for the cause of Christ. When the answer of whether marriage is okay to have gay marriage or not, the answer is in the church, absolutely not. That's the answer. The church's answer is absolutely not. It's not okay. You're like, yeah, but they legalized it in the state. I don't care what they did. This Bible says no, and it's an abomination to the Lord. Does that mean he hates those people that practice that? No, God hates sin. Sin is demonic. Is it okay for kids to choose their gender? in elementary school. No, their gender was already chosen for them. It's not okay. There can be no compromise in this thing. It's either yes or no. It's good or it's evil. It's dark or it's light. There is no difference. You, it's not kind of dark and kind of light. It's dark or light. It's sin or it's not. We can't afford to be a church that compromises and says good is evil and evil is good. I don't care what culture brings. You cannot sacrifice truth on an altar of trying to be culturally relevant, ever. 
no matter what. So my question to you is if this stuff is in your life, masturbation, sexual immorality, twistedness, why don't you just get free from it? Why don't you get free from it? Because you think that it's hidden, but it's not. God sees it all. I don't care who you are. God sees it all. He judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. His word does. And I promise you this, there's freedom. So if you have that junk in your closet, why don't you run up here right now and let's get free. I don't care who you are. Why don't you run up here? I dare you to run up here and let's get free. Come on. Don't be afraid. What are you scared of? Who cares what people think? Come on, make a move. Make a move. Make a move for Jesus. Make a move. It don't matter what people think. I don't care what anybody thinks. What I care, what my father thinks. That's what I'm saying right now. Jesus is freedom. There's no shame. Nobody up here is looked at as a bad person. It's not about being bad. It's about being free. It's not about being bad. Not one of you. Just free. No bad, just free. We need to be free. It's called repentance. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It'll set you free from you. I, I promise this. You wait until you wake up in the morning, buddy. You're going to look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, for real? For real? For real? God's not mad at you. No shame. No guilt. I'm promised right now, I am not looking at you like you're a bad person. No way, dude. This is amazing. You know why? Because God's about to have his way. 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 This is the stuff that Christian soldiers are made out of. Christian soldiers, Christian soldiers, Christian soldiers, come Holy Spirit. We just say yes to you right now. We say yes, God. We say yes, God, here we are. We say yes, God, we say yes, come right now. Jesus, come right now. Just put your eyes on Jesus right now. No shame, no guilt, just conviction. Conviction is what we live by. Christians live by conviction. Condemnation is a lie. See, after this moment, once repentance is done, conviction has its way, and condemnation can never touch you. Guilt and shame can never touch you. Guilt and shame can never touch you. Because this is the place that suicides are prevented in. This is the place when suicidal thinking and demonic strategy set up to kill you is crushed. No longer will you hate yourself, you'll love yourself. Because when you love yourself, you can love your neighbor. Because right now, coming forward, right now, is saying, I want to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. So Jesus, we say yes, come right now. Holy Spirit, we say yes right now, come. Come, come.